This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. You know, you've got a decor with the names of Hedman and McDonough and you know, Sergachev and some of these guys, and, and Chernak is right up there with those guys. He's extremely important, um, big right-handed shot, who's pivotal. Answering your penalty kill questions, Cherny's a big, you know, big for us on the right-hand side there, and so uh, when he's in, usually our penalty kill is, is trending upward, and just a gamer, right? It's, uh, it's remarkable that some of these shots are hitting them where they are, so hopefully he's going to be okay. Yeah, you know, I, we may have to touch on that with Chernak and the shot blocking. I was actually thinking about it today when I was making my coffee and calming down Hurricane Ilaria uh, earlier today <laughs> about you shot were blocking, blockers. <laughs> you were blocking in a different way. Yes, sir. <laughs> By the way. trying to get around you to... Incredible. I don't know, where really. was she trying to get? I don't. I don't know. But not dad, out the door, right? Yes. She's just... Yes. Dad got some um, whatever you want to call it. I, this is a PG version to show. But dad, dad got some spit up yesterday on him. Let's put it that way. In the middle of the night, mm. that wasn't fun. But I appreciate you and Steve kind of holding it down for the last forty minutes. You guys did a a fantastic job. And with that being said, I am gonna put my headsets down, and you guys can do sixty minutes <laughs> tonight. No, but I, well, I appreciate that. I can that. say that, that we held it down, but your daughter did not. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good, Mish. I like Thank that. You. I like that. Uh, I want. I do want to touch on the Chernak situation because I, I I find it fascinating. Shot blockers and the ability to do that throughout the regular season, but also coming at a price. And I I think for this Lightning team. It's it's a fun conversation to have, and I, I think it's one that we can get into. We will break down the game last night for sure. Wasn't the greatest game, partner, from the Lightning, but as, as Coop said in his press conference, I, I don't think he was really excited with how they played, but he doesn't apologize for getting the two points, and that is what eventually this is about. And then, of course, the NHL All-Star selections were announced right before we came on the air. Two Lightning players are going, Vassy and Hedman. One is not, although Steven Stamkos is part of that last man in participation, and who knows if he will get in. And I know a lot of people were, you know, were upset about that. It's just the selection to the All-Star Games, partner, because of how they have it set up, it's just not conducive to a team having more than two players. It's yeah, the, really lightning, the Lightning and their fans probably got spoiled. Is that the right word? I'm not sure that yeah, it is. Yeah, probably but, right. That's probably but they right. got used to lots of Lightning players being on the All-Star team under the setup for the year that the game was in Tampa. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't they have five I think With Steve Stamkos, was mentioning that they we were we Kucherov, were trying to recall it. Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Point, and Vasilevsky. Although yeah. it's possible Hedman had been hurt, and maybe maybe one of the other players subbed for Hedman. But be that as it may, it's very rare to have more than two from yeah. one team make the All Star game because they do it by division and they limit each divisional team to eleven players. And now you have eight teams in every division. So you can do the math. Well, does every team get us a, a pick? Well, I mean, I'm looking. I think every team... Is that a rule? This like, year, I, I don't, I'm not I don't sure even... if it's a rule, but they try and do it. Okay. Now, it doesn't always end up being that way because some players may be their only representative for that team, and if they can't go because they get hurt, it's not like they take another player from the same team. That I'm sure about. It's also... So, like, if the Buffalo representative gets hurt they're not going to say well we have to pick another saber they'll just pick somebody else good but i mean the florida panthers have one player right now which is which is stunning when you Uber think about up. it i mean ekblad's in double digit goals i mean they could have three players they could have three players for sure and the lightning certainly and a lot of teams can make the same argument yes yeah so i was seeing somebody was who covers the Rangers was saying a couple of weeks ago, how can the Rangers not have four? Shesterkin, Fox, Zibanejad, and Panarin, I think were the four. And they didn't even mention Kreider, and Kreider's on the team with Fox. Yeah. yeah. You know what? So you I, can I make an argument. They should have five. But I, how I, are they going to get five? It's You've a got great the point. Metro Division. You got some really good teams. 
in that division with really good players. So I, I was actually thinking about this uh, not as hard as I was about the Chernak topic, but I was thinking about it. I actually think I'm okay with if this is the format you want and you think it's more entertaining, the three on three, yeah. and this is that's fine. I would expand the selections, but maybe those players don't participate in the games. Yeah. Maybe like they skills. Yeah, maybe they go skills to Vegas. Only. Like Dave, let's let's be pretty clear. Every all star game should have Ovechkin and Crosby from here on out. They just should. They I mean the mm-hmm. two of the greatest players have them there. Ha- and I know they, you know, Crosby in particular missed some time. It doesn't feel normal not to have a guy like Crosby and even Stamkos the way he's playing. Like I would invite those players to come, and if they don't want to come, that's fine. But at least on paper, tip of the cap, you acknowledge they're an all-star. I under look. Yeah. I understand you can only take so many, and some of these guys may bow out. I think also a fascinating topic will be. How many of these guys choose not to go and take the one-game penalty? Not many. I, I did see somewhere. I don't think this was an official part of the league's release. It might have been one of our trusty national reporters who get all this inside information. It might have been Pierre Lebrun. Yes. But I think of the players the league selected, and they selected every player other than the four captains, I guess, yes. that were voted in, they did check with the team's to at least run some early testing of the water mm-hmm. to make sure the players that they were picking were interested in going. Well, that's assuming you trust the team and the players. I mean, they could sit there and say, yeah, I plan on going. And then you get a little closer. And you're well, like, eh. then you're going to get a one-game suspension. Well, and it also may depend on where you are in the They want to avoid that. Yeah, they want they to do. avoid that. And I think with a lot of the teams now potentially partner having some time off because of no – Olympics, and I understand some games are going to be juggled, but you know, for a team like the Lightning, who knows how many games they're going to have? It's probably not going to be many. Uh, you're probably less inclined to take the All Star game off because I think you're going to have some time to recoup, mm-hmm. even if you want to go out there, for, you know, for a couple of days beyond the actual All Star game. So, look, we fill your paint with Stamkos. Do we think you he can vote be? him in, though? Yeah, I you mean, can. There's always every that opportunity. Every team has one player that's eligible for the last man in yes and each division will add one player and i don't know I how think, that's how is that restricted with voting i mean this I'm, just goes to sure show i really don't care but you can just you vote as many times as you want box. okay All but right. i believe I'm you vote 10 times a day through monday ten night times at a day my goodness all right al and bob 10 <laughs> times a day let's go this let's is go. like voting for america's got talent or something right <laughs> it is it is. All right. Although, so there but was these one... hockey players actually have talent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was one division, actually two divisions. This is surprising. Two divisions, the Central Division and the Pacific Division. So the two divisions from the West. Yeah. Only one defenseman on each of those teams. So now it's up to the vote. So what if the last man in is also a forward? Will the Central Division and Pacific Division only play one defenseman in the as three my, on three, or are as they my daughter force would one say, of the forwards to go back on D. And they're just going to go three forwards. As Central my, division has Makar, yeah. Pacific division has Petrangelo, but well, that's how, it. I mean, come on, that's now seven me, that's forwards. Just, how how is that possible? How is that possible? Are you trying to have a competitive game? The league is picking game? the players. I, I guess. understand, but come on now. Now you're making it a mockery. I mean, you could have said it's a mockery anyways. These all star games in general, just with with where you are but right I mean, really you could you couldn't there weren't a couple of other defensemen there that you didn't feel were worthy enough to be in this as my daughter would say when you gave me that stat for real life there's only one <laughs> defenseman come on <laughs> that's ridiculous but then again i don't get caught up in the all-star games i don't i don't know if, no i don't I, know if I you do like in any and the players are fun like they aren't they aren't playing three on three like it is even in the regular season. Sometimes they kind of do puck possession and they're not going up and down the ice full speed. Well, think about it. But baseball, baseball's the really, I mean, basketball to a lesser extent, but baseball's the only one that really is the closest to an actual game. Because I mean, I mean, the pitcher, maybe if he if he's got a good breaking ball, maybe he doesn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. throw the breaking ball too much. So he's going to pump you with some fastballs. But it, it's the closest thing to an actual game. The NFL, they don't want to tackle anybody. Basketball, they don't want to play any defense. 
hockey, you go three on three, so it's not even really what the game is for regulation. I mean, at least in baseball, you've got nine players, you've got the batter, you've got an ump. I mean, it, it looks a little bit like the real thing. The other ones are just a mockery, which is always, you know, funny when these leagues try and, and really make this a serious thing. I mean, I, I've always said, too, I think, and this is part of it, the skills competition was always more fun than the actual game. I think the three-on-three, three, I don't know. I, I would actually be more inclined to watch more four-on-four, five-on-five. I, I just, you know what you're getting in that, and it, it mm -hmm. is what it is. But, I, you know, I digress. I think they're trying to find ways to keep it interesting, to reward yeah. the players, and, and I understand it's a moneymaker as well. So I, I don't want to go off on a tangent. But Steven Samko should be on it. We understand why he's not. I say, why don't you have another selection of guys who on paper are all-stars, whether they get to go to the game or not. Maybe that's up for the league, but that's just a minor quibble there. Um, if you want to react to anything we had to say there, you can at Bolts Radio. Partner, I had a text message, and I shared it with you and Steve yesterday from Kevin Woodley, not to be confused with Kyle Woodley, who I, I've often done <laughs> yeah. on the show. But we've had Kevin on. He covers the Canucks, but he also uh, has a magazine. The Goalie Whisperer. The Goalie Whisperer, which is probably the best name. And we tried to get him on. He couldn't. He had some things that he had to do during the morning. But I, I wrote to him, and I said, hey, any – any tidbits of information when it came to this Canucks team that because uh, he covers the Canucks in yes. addition to being yes. kind of uh, a goalie expert in that he he really studies the position does a lot of writing about the position yes his day job I guess you would say is he covers the Canucks he does and you know that's I didn't the know team if, he knows the best I didn't know if he was going to get back to us but he, he did it, it was a little after the fact but I, I felt like reading a little bit of this because. It may give us a little insight as to why Vancouver was pretty successful last night, even though they lost, and why maybe the feeling was after the game that, you know what, Vancouver might have outplayed Tampa Bay, but this was a scenario where the Lightning didn't have their best. Vassy was really good. They made enough plays to get a win, and sometimes during an 82-game schedule, you're going to have that. So he wrote back to me, and he said, Hope you were able to get some intel. Biggest difference is the Canucks pressure way more up ice and in the neutral zone and force turnovers that have led to a dramatic increase in rush chances and off the rush. Also try to create more down low with passes from dead angles and behind the net, whereas used to throw everything back up to the points, which drove me nuts. All it does is let the D reset. He also said they're way more aggressive on the PK. Uh, they still give up a lot of great chances off the rush, and they lean still hard on Demko. Um, but he also said, too, that uh, Demko not as busy uh, as well So uh, in that. I thought that was a pretty good synopsis. And, Dave, I, I thought we, we kind of saw that play yeah, out. Yeah, we saw a yesterday. lot of it. Did I'm you not agree sure with their that? penalty kill. I don't think their penalty kill had a very good night. I mean, they only no. had to kill three penalties. They gave up a goal. And that was a tough matchup was for big. them. That was a tough match. I mean, Cooch back, that's going to be a tough yeah. matchup for anybody on the PK. And, I mean, even on the other chances, the Lightning had some looks. I mean, on the second chance, Sorelli right at the end of the power play had a couple of bang-bang plays in front. And on the last power play, Point had a chance in front. I don't know if you remember that one, Greg. I do. That one was early in the third. But the rest of what Kevin talked about is pretty much spot on. And, and and just a final word on the penalty kill, what he said about the PK is not untrue <laughs> because under Bruce Boudreaux, as we talked about yesterday, Greg, the Canucks have done a much better job on the penalty kill, both in terms of their percentage and the number of times they have had to be short, which is to yes. say fewer. Usually one to two, last night it was three, as opposed to earlier in the year where it was like four, five, or six times short, and they were giving up a ton of power play goals. But he wrote about up ice pressure. We definitely saw that. He wrote about forcing turnovers. We definitely saw that. He talked about a dramatic increase in rush chances and expected goals off the rush. Frankly, I thought that, I mean, they had some of that, but they had a lot of pressure in the offensive zone because they forechecked so well. They forced turnovers and they had some looks. From the blue line in that weren't yeah, off did. the rush. They did. Yeah. And and even like he talked about working it back to the point too much. They're doing it less now. But they did move it back to the point, And there were some opportunities there on longer range shots through screens that Vasilevsky really had to battle to find. 
and and control his rebounds, which he did. So I'm in agreement from the Lightning's perspective that Vasilevsky had a very strong night. It was a weird night in that the Canucks only had 26 shots. That number seems low based on how much pressure they brought. The Lightning also blocked 20 shots. But, I mean, the second period was probably the most lopsided possession period of the three. And somehow the Canucks got outshot in that period, 5-4. And you might say, all right, well, they had four shots on net, but they had a whole bunch of other attempts that that didn't go on net, which you would see if a team has a lot of possession but not a lot of shots on net. Usually that means that they had a lot of shots blocked or, or they had shots that missed the net. No, the Canucks only had 15 attempts in the second period. Now, the Lightning only had eight, which is painfully low, but... That was a weird period. I was surprised to see that the Canucks only had 15 second-period attempts and only four second-period shots because they had the pocket felt like 75% of that period. But the shots that they did get through to Vasilevsky were fairly tough shots, and he really stood tall for the Lightning. And the Lightning were also helped by the fact that when they had some chances, they buried them. Yes. So Demko did make some good saves, but what Kevin wrote at the end, still give up lots of great chances, especially off rush. We did see that. I mean, Point had a breakaway. He had a he had a frustrating night. <laughs> he had a tough night. He had a breakaway. Had there a were other night. odd man rushes, especially in the third period when the Lightning were getting closer to closing the game out. I think there was a two-on-one for... Sorelli and Stamkos, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, and I think Sorelli's pass was broken up. Yeah, it was broken up a little bit. Like, they had some looks off the rush, and, of course, the Kachuk goal was a 2-on-0. Yes. That was certainly a glorious chance off the rush. So the Lightning had a few looks, not many, because they didn't have the puck a lot, but they were able to cash in on enough of their opportunities, which is why this one probably falls under the category of find a way right we were talking about the 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 Tampa Bay find a ways this one was more in the find a way category because they had some puck management issues and they were playing a team that was really crisp in its ability to hound pucks and force turnovers and I don't you know I don't mind every once in a while that is your conclusion after a game when it comes to a win, we found a way to win. I, th- I think, I think in hockey more than any other sport, you want to be playing within your system and your structure more times than not. You don't want to have too many games, partner, where you look back and say we found a way to win. Because me, to me, that your structure, your foundation is what is what's going to lead you to win games and yes. be consistently good. I think. You know, finding ways to win in the NFL makes more sense. There's only 17 games. You do what you can to survive each and every one. They're more precious than a win, let's say, uh, in the NHL in game 35 compared to week four just because there aren't as many games. But I do think in an 82-game season, it is realistic to point out that, listen, you're going to have games where it just isn't great. And I didn't think the Lightning were awful. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, you can be pretty good. And not and not play within your system because the other team does have something to do with it. I thought Vancouver looked pretty dangerous, and you know we were getting on. I was at least, you know, I, I was looking at Pedersen's numbers, Dave, and I said, mm-hmm. boy, I just didn't think he. That's not the Pedersen we've seen from previous yeah. years. For two breakaways, I thought, I thought he was pretty dangerous last night. Yeah, I mean, I I, I noticed him, you know, and I I think. They're still trying to figure it out. JT Miller, I know, what, did Phil have him as one of his three stars? Yeah, he was, I thought he was the best Canuck on the ice. I, I thought he was As really far good. as a forward, Hughes was pretty impressive, too. That's correct. Al- although he did kick the puck out of his own end, out of the offensive zone, leading the 2-on-0 for Kachuk and Colton, and then he threw his stick to yeah. try and disrupt the rush. Yeah. Which I don't think they called a penalty on that. If they had, it would have been wiped out when Kachuk You know, you throw scored. your stick like that. I don't know what the penalty is. You should be suspended for a game. Well, he didn't try and injure anyone, but well, it's but a, I mean, it, like if it's an empty net, that's an automatic goal. It is. It if is. You an throw automatic. your stick. But if you throw <laughs> you your try stick, and knock the puck away. Even if you try and not, and it ends up going in the guy's stick, and let's say he trips and gets hurt. I mean, just yeah. that's that's I being reckless. That's being reckless with the stick. I mean, we're trying to clean up the game. You don't yeah. need to throw your stick. You just that don't. play aside. He yes. was very dynamic last yes, he night. Was. 
I would agree with that. So I actually think watching Vancouver, again, it's very limited. If you were to tell me at the end of the year they sneak into the playoffs, I would not be surprised. Assuming they continue this trajectory with Boudreaux and they get the goaltending. Because I think there actually are some pieces in place. Mm -hmm. And I think they've faced some adversity with postponements and COVID that, you know, if they get through that, that can make you stronger as a team. I just I like their high end skill. I, I I'm a you know me. I'm a big believer in high end skill. If you work hard with it, overcomes a team that's not as skilled that maybe works hard as well. And I, I think they have some really nice pieces there. Whether they get in or not remains to be seen. But if if you were to tell me at the end of the year they do sneak in, I, I'd say you know what I I actually can buy that because I was I came away pretty impressed with them last. Yeah, time. I was impressed too. <sighs> I'm going to go on both sides of the fence here, as sometimes I do. Are you straddling? To, uh, I'm not straddling, because I think okay. I'm firmly on one side, and the one point right. I'm going to make, and then I'm hopping to the other side of the fence, and I have both feet on the ground on the other side of the fence. So <laughs> All right. I like hear that. me out here. Yes, go So ahead. if you remember, after the Lightning played Boston, mm-hmm. we came out of that game and, and said, boy, Boston really took it to the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen? Why does that happen? It's kind of like, well... Boston had a little extra something for this game, and the Lightning played as though it was game 37 of the regular season. And when you have that, you can see a disparity on the ice. So I think there was some of that last night in that. First of all, Vancouver was coming off its first regulation loss under Bruce Boudreaux. And hearing some of the questions that came Boudreaux's way from the Vancouver media, like they were interested, the media was interested to see how the Canucks would respond. Because the mark of a good team is you don't let losses pile up and you bounce back after you lose a game. And I think the Canucks were very motivated, very motivated to get back on the winning side. I think they probably were more motivated to play well than they were against the Panthers. And not having watched that game, yeah, you know, they came into that Panthers game, they were 8-0-1 and 9 under Boudreaux. It's kind of like, hey, we're, things are going well. And, you know, we've had this long break. They had 10 days between games because they had a couple of games postponed and, and the Panthers just took it to them. When you get your hat handed to you that way, a lot of times the next game, you're going to come out with a burr in your saddle. Yeah, right. And I think we saw that. The other part of this for Vancouver is that they are on a trip that they are talking about from the players to the coach to the management about this is a litmus test trip segment because they they finish at home. This is their schedule at Florida, at Tampa Bay, at Carolina – at Washington, at Nashville, which last I checked, they were the number one team in the West. That's the road trip. Home Florida, and then home St. Louis, which is another top team. So that's seven games. And Boudreaux talked about it. He said he actually lumped in St. Louis. He said, I consider St. Louis part of this stretch as well. He said, how we do in this segment is going to tell us if we are on track to make the playoffs or if we're going to have to go on like another 10-game run. This stretch is really important to Vancouver. So a game is not played in a vacuum. I think you do have to acknowledge the motivating factors for both teams on the ice. It doesn't always play out that way. Sometimes a team can have a lot at stake and lay an egg. It happens. Vancouver played like a team that was wanting to bounce back from its first regulation loss under Boudreaux and played like a team that was looking at it as we are playing with the big boys and we want to show we belong. In addition to the fact that the Lightning tend to see this, we're facing the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champs. They get that a lot too. And the Lightning didn't have any of those motivations. So I think that helps explain to some degree what we saw. So that's my one side of the fence where circumstances matter. But I'm going to jump on the other side of the fence and say this. Mm -hmm. Even though the circumstances mattered, how Vancouver played after one regulation loss 
is a really good sign for the Canucks. Like when you say what I saw from them, they make a push. They may make a push for the playoffs. You're right. If they respond like that, after every time they have a bit of a clunker, that's a really good sign for their team. So I'm not willing to say that like, well, we can read so much into this game. I think circumstances matter. But how the Canucks responded when the circumstances mattered, that was a positive sign for yeah, their for team sure. moving yeah. forward. Did I do that well? Was I? You bo- did. I feel you I did. was on both sides of the fence. For the Lightning, they're not going to see a team that's quite so motivated every night. And sometimes they're going to be more motivated than the other team based on what has been happening for them. Which makes the Lightning's run the last couple of years. Very especially impressive. In the regular Incredibly season. Yes, impressive. Because, because but you know, I think also there's a lot of positive to take out of what we saw from the yes. Canucks, even though they didn't get the result. Yes. And now, they have to keep, they, right. now they have to keep it going because they're going to Carolina. And talk about circumstances. Did you see the Carolina score last night? Six nothing, right? Or was it? They six? lost at home six nothing to Columbus. Yeah, nothing. yeah right. Vancouver is going to be seeing a very motivated team in their next game, and that's a tough schedule, by the way. They're on, so that maybe is tough I mean, it, as you pointed out, there's some urgency there to to figure this out. And look, that's a great word, urgency. When, when you fall they behind, played with urgency last night. Yeah, when you make a coaching j- change, Dave, it means that your 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 season's on life support. So the margin of error is smaller than it is for Tampa Bay. We understand that. So there needs to be an automatic urgency just with that factor playing out. And then you have some guys who maybe have underperformed a bit to this point who are starting to play better. I think it's – I don't want to say it's a perfect storm because they're not in the playoffs yet, and they can no. maybe breathe a little bit if that does happen. I think the but, feeling, though, Greg, is the West – I hesitate to use the word deep. It's not – deep is the wrong word, but we're seeing the East – we're starting to see a very distinct separation yeah, between the that. top eight and the bottom eight. Yeah. There are a few teams that are lurking in the bottom eight that have a lot of games to make up like the Islanders. But even having said that, the Islanders are going to have to go on an incredible run. The West is murkier. So the East is not deeper in that there's a very distinct break between the top eight and the bottom eight. But the West... There's more of an opportunity for teams below the playoff cut line, I think, yeah. as we speak today, to make a move. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. Yeah. No doubt. I, I think that's that's a very good point. And we'll kind of see where Vancouver plays it out at the end of the year. But impressed with them, no doubt. Yeah. Last Boudreaux night, is a good coach. And, I mean, I think we had said, like, the players – Phil even said it. You asked him last night before the game. He said, Boudreaux makes it fun for the players to play. I mean, you got to be responsible, but who doesn't like attacking the offensive zone? Well, right? I, and that is a fun one. I and, mean, and, and think about it coming off of the coach they had before, too. I mean, there was some struggle there with Travis Green. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, guys weren't having fun. So now you take Boudreaux, and maybe his greatest skill set is just drop the puck and go play, boys. Obviously, it's, it's more complicated than that but you and I were discussing that with Washington in some ways you know that just let's let's get the offense going who doesn't want to play but also coming off of where they were with Travis Green I mean Boudreaux has to look like you know Scotty Bowman in in some ways coming into that situation so we'll see It, it, it potentially has the makings of a of a nice comeback story if they can finish it off and get into the playoffs because, as we know, you get into the playoffs, anything is possible. Uh, at Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Let's get into some questions here, and then we'll go take a quick break. Uh, let's see. Al says, two observations from last night. Points had a burn in his saddle all night long. <laughs> yes, he Lightning did. <laughs> been watching the puck a lot lately. A bad habit. You know, I heard Belmar's postgame where he said, we haven't been playing well in recent games. And, look, they didn't play well last night. They didn't play well at all against Boston. But I kind of beg to differ with him. They played really well against Calgary. I thought that was one of their best games of the year, as a matter of fact, against a quality opponent. And while the opposition wasn't as stiff when they faced Columbus and Buffalo, 
I didn't think the Lightning played badly in either one of those games. Yeah. So when Al says they've been watching the puck a lot lately, like which games are you talking about? I think the games where they haven't looked good, yes. John Cooper said they played slow. That was also how he described their performance against the Bruins. And you can see it. When one team is operating at a faster pace, playing faster, thinking faster, executing faster, it's noticeable. But I don't think this has been like a systemic problem going back over the last five games, let's say, where the Lightning have won four of them. He also went on to say missing Pilon and McDonough hurts. Joseph is okay, but not a top six forward. Foot really lost out there at times in his D zone coverage. Uh, the Joseph thing I, I had mentioned to you guys at the end of the first period, I, I didn't think he was jiving well with uh, points and Kucherov. Mm-hmm. And, and Coop shuffled the top six. Yeah, he did. And th- in some ways, that's not fair to Joseph because at times we've seen him do pretty well in the top six. I, I think, again, Joseph's biggest question he's got to answer with that speed is, is he going to be a top six? and be able to finish and play with guys like that on a more regular basis? Or is he better suited for a bottom six where it's more of play some good defense, be a good penalty killer, and chip in 10 to 15 goals mm-hmm. a year? And either one, you're going to have a long career. I just, I, I still think we're still finding out what Joseph is, and you can see the coaching staff at times wants to see by giving him opportunities to play in a top six when injuries are presented. But it wasn't working out last night after the first period, and then, you know, Coop decided to make some changes. He did He did play a big role, though, with the other penalty killers on the PK, which was kind of the unsung hero, I thought, last night for the Lightning. Yeah. Four for four, eight full minutes of kills. They held the Canucks to one shot on that. Again, a little bit of a weird stack, because the Canucks had a fair amount of possession, and, and they probably had a fair number of shot attempts. It's not broken down on the sheet that I'm looking at as to which attempts that didn't go on net were power play attempts in which were five-on-five five attempts. But they had 60 overall attempts and just 26 on net. So that's 34 that were either blocked or missed the net. 20 were blocked, 14 missed the net. Lightning blocked some shots on the penalty kill. I mean, that was when Chernak got hurt again. I think he blocked two shots. The first one stung him, and then he kind of hung in there, and then another one hit his skate blade. I think later in that same kill, Sergachev blocked a shot as well. So the Lightning hung in there on the penalty kill really well. And like Coop mentioned, he would have liked to have seen more clears because they won some face-offs and didn't get it down the ice, but they won some face-offs. I think they went 7-2 and two yeah. on shorthanded face-offs, which is a really good sign. They had to kill two penalties basically right at the beginning of a period beginning of the second, beginning of the third, and they did the job. They won the special teams battle, which is a big reason why they won the game. And they got through the six-on-five where Besser had an opportunity there in the slot and missed the net when it was 3-2. That was a close call. But at the end of the day, the Lightning scored the empty net goal, and they get through the six-on-five against. Only point on on foot that I'd like to see at at this point, and then we'll go to break, and understanding – defensively is where you want him to be a little bit more sound. I think in the offensive zone for me, I'd like to see him rip it a bit more. I think oftentimes, if you've noticed, when he does get the puck, he is he's not looking to shoot it. He's looking to pass. In some ways, I understand that. He probably is deferring to the other players on the ice, and especially if he gets caught out there with you know, a Kucherov or a Stamkos or a points, he's looking to get the puck back to those guys rather than get the puck on net. But, you know, the limited times I've seen him shoot the puck, he's got a heavy shot. I do think that's, one of, his, I think that's one of his strengths. And so it, it doesn't have to be every time, but it's not a bad play sometimes when the, the Lightning get it out to you. Let it rip. Let it rip. Uh, that, that would, honestly, like, I, I think his defensive game, it's just a work in progress with the young with the young defender i think he's he's going to continue to get better do i want to see him be a little bit more physical yeah but you know i gotta be honest i don't know if that's his game looking at just because he's big doesn't mean that's he's going to be a thumper out there Uh, i i think that's going to come with more playing time and more confidence i would just one small critique would be in the offensive zone i like his shot i'd like to see him use it a bit more and you know we'll see if that uh, is something that can lead to a little bit more offense not only for him 
but for the unit that's out there with the cycling game. So that would be something I would I would suggest, but you know, far be it for me to to give Kyle Foot advice. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Eric Chernak had to leave the game again blocking a shot. I, I want to give you some thoughts on my take when it comes to block shots in the regular season. We'll also take your questions via Twitter. There's still a lot coming in. And what do you make of the All-Star selections? And do you agree with them? We'll talk more about that when we return. He's Dave Mishkin. I'm Greg Linnelli. Steve Versick is producing its Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we just keep the big-time guests rolling this year. Blake Coleman returns home, and he returns to The Block Party for the third time. I talked to Blake about his decision to sign with Calgary when he knew his time was up with the Lightning, and Blake tells me a never-before-heard story about the night before the boat parade. It's The Block Party with Seth Kushner out now wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Especially after the start of the season, the votes are about the start of the season. Um, and he's been our hottest guy. And while we were missing our, you know, Pointer and Cooch, Stammer was there. Uh, with Tony, you know, they were just helping the team win every night. So um, shocked, obviously shocked. I don't know if because it's a a guy that's been in the league so long and he's been so good for so long that people expect him to be the way he is right now. And they're like, oh, well, it's just another another year for him. But I mean, it's, it's something difficult to do to play that long in the league and still deliver like he does. And obviously in my eyes, but I think he definitely deserves it. So that was Pierre-Edouard Belmar talking about Stammer and you know his game and what it's been like to watch him up close here. And, partner, we were talking about Stamkos and the all-star selection not being there. Still has an opportunity to make it with the the last man in. But that mm-hmm. that aside, I, I find one of the fun parts of covering sports is watching an athlete have a go-to move and the other team still struggle to stop it, even though they know it's coming. So, you know, for instance, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with the hook shot. You yeah. knew that thing was coming. You couldn't stop it, and it was probably very frustrating to defend. Jordan's little fadeaway on the baseline. Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm, I'm naming some basketball players. You can. There are a, several other guys who have a go-to move. Basketball you, is a good example because it's it's a sport in which there's a lot of one-on-one, and a player who has a money move can use that move. Yes, and you know, like, but baseball, it does equate to what Stamkos does on the power play. Yes, like he and Ovechkin, he and Ovechkin, what they've been able to do, and it's it's mainly what I'm I'm talking about on the power play, but one timer. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating thing to watch because how good the goaltenders have gotten over the years, and how bigger and more athletic they've become. The ability to do the one-timer with precision and accuracy, I find still one of the more beautiful things in hockey to watch him shoot the puck and also Ovechkin. Ovechkin, it feels like there's just more power to it. <laughs> with Stammer, it's just like there's this be- – it's poetry. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just smooth. But, Dave, it feels like more times than not, that thing's a goal. If he gets the right pass and he's set up appropriately – and he did that again on the power play goal. In addition to what he's done all year with, you know, faceoffs and, and being a pretty responsible two-way player, uh, that that is something that you know when they build a statue of Steven Stamkos, I'm wondering if it's just going to be him teeing up for a one-timer. Yeah, because that's that's pretty fun to watch. So look, we we touched on this at the beginning of the show, and I'm going back to why Stamkos is not on the team. It's not because he's not deserving. Correct. It has more to do with the way they have structured the teams and the fact that at least on their original picks until they start replacing guys due to injuries that tend to crop crop up, they want every team represented. So in the Atlantic Division, can we say that Steven Stamkos has had a better year so far this year than Nick Suzuki, who's a really good player from Montreal? Of course. The answer is yes. He's had a better year than Nick Suzuki, just like the Lightning have had a better year than the Canadians. But Suzuki is probably the best available player 
from Montreal and they want a representative on Montreal. Or do you from like Montreal. that? Do you like that? By the way, even if it's not set in stone, that every team I get should it. Have at least I mean, somebody... I understand why they're doing it. Why? Well, I, I mean, examples. I, too, I mean, this wouldn't affect like this wouldn't affect Stamkos, but I'm looking at the other divisions. So, like, they need somebody from Arizona. Clayton Keller is the pick from Arizona. I mean, is there is there somebody in the Central Division who was left off, probably, who's having yeah. a better year than Clayton Keller? If you're rewarding the best yes. players, you shouldn't have to go to each team to get one representation. That's that, another. That, that's I'm another old discussion. school. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm. I'm more old school that way. It's. The, it's the best of the best. Not everybody from every team has to get a tro not a trophy, but a medal and being represented. I understand why they do it. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. But go ahead. I digress. Well, those are the two examples. I'm just looking at the teams right now, and. I mean, we can pick teams that are on the wrong side of the playoff cut line in which players were selected. And probably, if you were to look at which players are the most deserving, it's the players who have had really good years. And because they've had really good years, they're probably on fairly successful teams. But they're not just taking players from, let's say, the top 20 teams of the 32 in the league. And those other 12 don't get anybody. They want fans in Montreal to tune in to see Suzuki. They want fans in Buffalo to tune in to see Darlene. They want fans in Seattle to tune in to see Jordan Everly. That's the argument for it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I get that. I, I just, you know, I think also fans want to see the best players. And if that means nobody from the Kraken... I'm just using them as an example and mm-hmm. more players from the Lightning. If your favorite player happens to be Steven Stamkos and you live in another another state, uh, even if your team's not represented, you may still watch the All-Star. If you're, if you're a fan. See, I think that's the false notion here with the league. Uh, I, I think fans who like hockey are going to watch the All-Star game. I don't know if you're going to get the average sports fan to tune in. You know, and I, I think But it's a regional it's, game. Sure. So, I mean, I think I, I can speak... I hope I'm speaking for Lightning fans. When I say Lightning fans like seeing Lightning players as much as they like seeing some all-star from Anaheim. Agreed. Is that unfair of me to say that? I think that's true in other markets, too. I think they – see, the difference is I think the Lightning players are deserving, and you are going to watch them. If if you get – again, Arizona. Is Arizona's ratings – are they going to be up because who, who's their representative? Keller? Yeah. Because he's in it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But, you know, if you had, I don't know, Steven Stamkos in there as well, um, are more people going to be tuned in to watch that than, you know, a guy like Clayton Keller if he was, you know, a focal point of the All-Star game or just on it in mm-hmm. general? I don't know. It, it's, it is what it is. And yeah. I think you bring up some good points, and I know why they do it. Um, I think all-star games in general just pick the best guys, but we understand why they do it, and we live with it. That's fine. I, I want to get into, before we get to some questions here, too, at Bolts Radio, the Eric Chernak blocking of the shots. And it was interesting because I feel like he had, or maybe Coop was asked this question when he was out before. I think it was Coop when he was addressing, you know, this is what Chernak does. He's that's part of what makes him a really good player is that he's willing to sacrifice his body and block vulcanized rubber on more than one occasion every single game. And I appreciate that skill set. I think it's a hard way to make a living, even with all the the equipment that has been added to the player over the years. These guys shoot the puck extremely hard. And all it does is uh, if if that puck gets you where there isn't any padding, you know, you could be out for a considerable amount of time. And I understand the league over the years really has shifted into that philosophy where not only does your defensemen or grinders have to block shots, but you see guys who are elite players sometimes sacrificing their bodies to block the puck. I appreciate that. And I hate speaking in qualifiers too, Dave, because I feel like that almost lessens your point. I mean, if you feel strongly about something, you don't need to give this buffer as to, look, I understand this. and So understand that I, I, I do understand the notion of blocking shots. It is a requirement, I think, in today's NHL. 
However, for a team like the Lightning, you are better with Chernak on the ice than off. And I'm simply wondering, for any player out there who is valuable to his team, specifically to as to where it's related to blocking shots, do you have to start picking and choosing when you block shots? In the regular season. During game 38. Because... I don't know if this is a long-term thing with Chernak. We hope not. We hope he's in the lineup tomorrow. But Chernak, I think we all, and I'm using him as an example because it's the closest thing we have to a player that, that does that routinely who's really good at it. Not having him in the lineup because he's blocking shots hurts your team in the long run. And I don't have a problem with you blocking shots in the postseason. The postseason, as we know, takes on a different animal than it does during the regular season. I'm simply just asking the question, understanding how valuable he is, and it's easier said than done, but do we have to start picking and choosing maybe when we go down to block shots in a game? And I know players want to. It's hard to do that. They're wired a certain way, and I probably answered my own question. It's probably hard for him to turn that off. But I am wondering, if you get hurt on a couple of different occasions pretty close in in time, does it make you think twice about doing it a bit more frequently in the regular season? And are you a little more inclined to say, look, I mean, if I've got Ovechkin with the one time we're coming straight on again, can you forgive a player for maybe stepping to the side and seeing if, if Vassy can make the save? I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know as a coaching staff, Dave, if you can go to your player and say, look, we want you to block less shots because it almost seems like that is anti-NHL today. But I also understand that Chernak is a big piece of what the Lightning want to do, and I just don't want to lose him for an extended period of time if in game 39 he's still out there blocking shots and taking pucks off the ankle and having to miss multiple games that may prevent him from maybe being fully 100% or as close to it come playoff time. So I don't know if you have any strong opinions on it like I do, and I don't know if anything's going to change. I just find it I find it to be a fascinating debate because I think in the short run, blocking shots helps your team. But in the long run, it could hurt your team if that guy's not in the lineup because he's doing it a lot in the regular season. So it is a skill, and it's a skill in that we tend to see many of the same names leading the league or among the league leaders in block shots year in, year out. Dan Girardi was among the league leaders in block shots for much of his career, both with the Rangers and then the couple of years that he had with the Lightning, he blocked a lot of shots. So I'm not saying that it doesn't take an ability to read a play to get in front of a shot. And it also takes courage, too, to stand in front of a Stamko shot or a shot from Ovechkin. But I think some of it is also unavoidable. Like, if you are out there and you're playing your position, you are in a shooting lane. And I wonder, I haven't really spoken to a player about this, but I wonder... If it's actually difficult to avoid a shot like what you're suggesting, you know, you might try and move out of the way. The puck might hit you anyway. Maybe the puck hits you in an area where you don't have protection when you're trying to get out of the way. Not to mention what that does to your goalie, where you're screening your goalie, and then as the guy is about to shoot, you move out of the way, and that makes it more difficult on the goalie as opposed to clearing the front of the net let's say so the goalie has uh, a sight line to to make a save at a long range shot if you move out of the way too early and a guy is let's say at the top of the circle on the power play he may walk to the dot so it's i i just don't think it's as simple as i don't want to block a shot because i might get hurt so i'm going to try not to block a shot this is part of the game. It's like trying to avoid being hit. 
Well, it is part of the game. Yeah, it is. It is part of the game, but I also feel there is a technique involved. Well, like, that's you why I Girardi. said there are there are league leaders every yeah, year. Yeah, and so like, but Girardi... I think if you go into a game and you're like, I don't want to get hurt, I'm going to play at fifty percent speed. Let's say that probably increases the likelihood that you are going to get hurt. Yeah, well, so I'm just you're I'm right. Just on coming that. from an honest place here, I don't know how difficult it is to actively avoid getting hit with a puck when you're defending. It's a fair in your question. It's a fair question. I, I you may just create suggest... more problems trying to avoid being hit than just standing in there and and having good positional awareness to make yourself big. Now, when you talk about sliding down on your side to block a shot, that's a choice. Well, and that's what happened yesterday when you saw Chernak was struggling to stand up. Yeah, there was there was also a play he couldn't get off the ice, but then he went down. Like he was, he. I mean, and, and good for him. Like, I'm not knocking Chernak for this. I am simply saying we have seen the technique be used by players to block shots. And some people will tell you, like, whether you turn your skate in, you turn mm-hmm. your skate out, whether you lead with the stick, whether you actually go on the ice. Like, I think the really good shot blockers, there is a technique. So if you can learn a technique, I think you can also learn how to maybe time it as well. Because I think this has become an art, Dave. I don't think it's as simple as the puck. If you're in the lane, it's just going to hit you and you. I, I think that's some of it. Of course, you're going to be. If you're standing in the way of, of the puck, there's sometimes nothing you can do yeah. to get out of it. There was a play in the second period last night. might have been one of the Vancouver power plays where a shot looked pretty dangerous and it hit Pedersen like in the, the top of the shoulder and deflected out of play. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like, think he wanted that puck. I'm agreeing with you. Like, I, I think there are some instances where you can't get out of the way and the puck is going to hit you. But then there are guys who made a living, like Dan Girardi, who, yeah. I mean, I, you can make the case he was looking to block shots when he yeah. had to. And so under that under that premise, because I think Chernak's starting to be in that mold, I, I think he is he is known as a very good shot blocker. But I think he's more valuable to this team as being that big physical presence who also can skate and not be a liability offensively for you. And but I'm the, just saying that the dynamic a, that you are you are are weighing or the 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 scale that you are trying to weigh is is it worth it to block a shot in a regular season game knowing you might get hurt? And what I am saying is that I'm not sure that that's the choice I'm not sure that there is a choice to say I don't want to get hurt so I'm going to try not to block a shot because you might get hurt anyway and I'm not saying fair. that's definitely the case and I'm saying fair. that not having played the position I'm not sure how beneficial it is if that's your goal to stay healthy I'm not sure how beneficial it is to actively avoid blocking a shot you're either potentially going to get hurt anyway or you're going to be stapled to the bench because you created a problem for your team, that's not going to happen to Chernak. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if guys actively try and get out of the way of shots, you may create more problems for your team. I don't think Chernak is is wired that way. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of what you led with is this is the way Chernak plays. This is the way he's always played. This is the way he's going to continue to play. And, I, and if yeah, he right. starts to get a little bit of doubt creeping into his game, I don't think that's a good thing for him. And it hasn't. He hasn't shied away from blocking shots, even though he ended up missing 18 of 21 games. Well, and I think I, I wonder, though, when you start to miss games, Dave, at a pretty decent clip, Do you, and we see this with anything, whether a guy slows down with the skating, whether the hands aren't, aren't there. You have to change the way you play to stay in the league. And I'm not saying Chernak is in that mold. Absolutely not. He's in the prime of his career, maybe just approaching it. Uh, it can even be fighting, Dave. You could be a guy that comes into the league yeah. and you're a fighter, and then you decide, listen, I, I don't need to fight anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of proved myself. And fighting happens less today than shot blocking. I, I'm just saying, when injuries start to deprive you of playing the game and being on the ice, it becomes a bigger deal to stay on the ice and do everything you can rather than eight, nine times a game, put your body on the line to block a shot. Like I said, I'm, I, meet me halfway. Not You don't have to. I, I, you can do all you want in the playoffs. 
I'm just saying, do you pick yeah. and choose within within reason in a regular season game? Because the minute you start being off the ice because you took a puck to the leg or to the ankle, that becomes a little frustrating. And I, 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 I maybe it's more of a question. I'm wondering, does it go through an athlete's mind when you start missing games? Do I have to start maybe tinkering a little bit more? Because my goal is to not only block shots, but I can't do that if I'm not playing. I'm just curious to see if that is something that we notice moving forward. Again, well, we're this hoping would be, this would be an interesting question. I was going to say for a player, but a player in today's game would say, well, I'm just going to block shots. So we right. need somebody who's right. removed from it a little bit. Right, right, right. It'd be a good question for Brian Engblom, who played the position of defense. Or Jason Cullimore. Or you Jason Cullimore. Yeah, That's right. a great you're example. Right. You're right. Like, how hard is it to avoid blocking shots so that you don't get hurt? We're going to have that something on next that's week. doable. Yes. That's a great question. I think that's it. That might be it. Because because if it is, then I think that adds credence to your argument, I would say, which is in game 26, that shot block isn't as valuable as it potentially could be in game five of a playoff series, understanding that you are valuable. So you might end up missing 15 games from game 27 to 42, as a result of this choice. And I wholeheartedly agree that it that might just be me looking at it and not living in reality. We understand how these players are wired. That might not be possible. But we have seen players over the years adjust their games for a variety of reasons. And I'm wondering, can a shot blocker, because I think Chernak can do more than just blocking shots. That's not his sole job. It's a part of his job. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be less effective, Dave, if he's not blocking as many shots. I'm not saying that number goes to zero. As many shots. Because I think, number one, he's unique in his physical abilities. Meaning playing the body and being a thumper. More so than he is a shot blocker. I think the shot blocking is a really nice addition to his assets. But I don't think it's his greatest asset. And so I'm, I'm curious. But I, maybe we'll effort to get... Uh, we haven't talked to Brian in a couple of weeks. Maybe we get Brian yeah, or Cully. Or Cully. We'll, yeah, we can get there right? because I, I think that's a good that's a good point. I think being removed from it, maybe they can give us some perspective that you know a player who's in the moment uh, might not be able to give us. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Lightning take on the Stars tomorrow night. Rick Bonus returns. I feel like Dallas is a team, Mish. We've we've kind of gotten to know a little bit over the last couple of years just because of the Stanley Cup and right. you know where they are and Nashville of course we're not going to see Nashville, Bishop. Dallas and Chicago are the three western teams the Lightning are way more familiar with than the others cuz they that played them eight times each last year. Yes. I would uh I would agree with that. Good to see Rick Bonus back. No Ben Bishop. Of course we no. know, you know, hung it up and um I wonder they probably wouldn't have anything for Bishop, would they? On the Jumbotron? Because he wouldn't be in the building, probably. I doubt he would be he's in traveling. the building. I don't no, know that he's okay. traveling with the team. I guess oh. we'll find out on Saturday. We will. Um, lastly, Thomas from Lutz says, so are the Bolts back? So are the Bolts puck management issues due to so many people being in and out of the lineup, or is there something deeper to their issues? All right. So I don't think they have puck management issues because there have been some games recently where they have not had puck management issues. They had puck management issues last night. And to me, it was a combination of an opponent that got on them immediately and played on its toes and forced turnovers and the Lightning not playing quickly enough themselves. But I would not say that this has been like a systemic problem. No. I think when they struggle, their puck management, like most teams, probably go south a little bit. But I think those yeah. don't happen as frequently. Vancouver wasn't perfect in the D zone either. No. I mean, the Lightning did force some turnovers themselves. And we've spent a lot of time on the show today complimenting Vancouver's game. So it's sometimes hard to make a good play with the puck when you have a lot of pressure on you. Having said that, the Lightning have a very high standard. And when you have a game in which the other team is is getting in on you quickly, sometimes you do need to make adjustments. Frankly, I thought the Lightning got a little better in that regard in the third period. They had to spend less time 
stuck in their own zone. But I guess I would take a little bit of an exception with the premise that, and maybe Thomas didn't have this premise, but maybe I just interpreted it based on how you read his tweet, that like this is some ongoing problem with the Lightning. They've had some puck management issue problems in some games recently, and usually in those games it has led to them not having the puck a lot. But it has not been every game. So, Thomas, we hope we uh, answered that question for you. That's going to wrap it up for us today on the show. Partner, we'll be at it again tomorrow with the game. 6.30 will be on the airwave. 6 o'clock, Brian Burns and Bobby the Chief Taylor will have their pregame skate show, and you and Phil will have the call at 7 o'clock. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll be back at it again, breaking it all down, even though it's a holiday on Monday, doing our show noon to 1. We will be here. Talk to you tomorrow. Great job as always. Thank you, Steve, as well for your hard work. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again on Monday for another edition of Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.